0: Coast-to-coast, coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Ducks Stream from the Paul Korea Studio. I am your host, Alexis Downey. Thank you for tuning in today for episode number 61. I hope you're having a fantastic week from wherever you are listening from. The long weekend was very nice to catch up ahead of this week. I got to spend some time outside enjoying the sunshine before the weather changes later on. I think we're supposed to get some crazy storm all across the country, bringing some rain to California, snow and other places, and the temperature is going to be dropping. So definitely took advantage of the sunshine while we had it. Now, looking at this road trip that Anaheim is currently on, they are already halfway through it, and it hasn't really been too kind to the Ducks. They did battle to get a point in their first game on Monday against the Florida Panthers, but they were shot down quickly in Game 2 on Tuesday against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, back-to-backs are always tough for players. That's not something new in hockey. So let's get to all of AD's takeaways now in this one. Beginning with Monday versus the Florida Panthers a 4 to 3 overtime loss for Anaheim and it was Frank Petrano's first game back against his former club where he spent a number of seasons Overall, a great first period start for the Ducks Two nothing out the gates early Mason McTavish having a goal as well as Frank Petrano, which is very fitting. As I just mentioned, he was back against a team that he had been with for many seasons, and I felt like the team just wanted to win this game really early on. Now, don't get me wrong. The team always has that desire to want to win games, of course, but in this one, I just kind of felt a different energy from the group, especially in that first period on the back check in particular, some great hustle there. You could tell that the guys were just flying around early. Then the second period came and they still got some chances, but it was Florida's depth who got them on the board to tie up the game. And then the third period came along and it was a shooting gallery for the Panthers, 23 shots on goal. One of those going in John Gibson overall in this game made 51 saves on 55 shots on goal. It was his sixth career 50 save performance a lot of pucks on Gibby. That's something we've seen all season long with all of the goaltenders in Anaheim. But this one in particular was certainly disappointing as it did not start that way at all. Like I mentioned, though, the Ducks getting a point, but honestly, it was a disappointing loss in overtime. And I felt like the guys were certainly very deflated after this game too. And then, of course, you have to go to Tampa Bay, which is a tough place to play at Amelie Arena on Tuesday. A back-to-back in this one. well. The fatigue showed a 6-1 to loss on Tuesday. Also to note, this was the seventh straight game without Troy Terry. He is still out, not in the Ducks lineup. So really hoping to see him again soon, maybe as we get closer to the month of March. A difference in this game, too. In the net, Lukasz Dostal getting the start. He ended up making 38 saves on 44 shots in the game. The Ducks gave up two power play goals as a part of this as well. One coming in the second period and then in the third period. And it's tough too because they had a great first period once again. Back-to-back games with strong first periods. That is so important in a game to get out to a hot start and assert some dominance on the ice. But you need to be able to play a full 60 or close to that. And that certainly was not the case, especially on Tuesday night. Things just fell apart in the second period. They went down by four goals. But one positive from this game, it was not a shutout. And Ryan Strome was able to get a goal for the Ducks. Trevor Zegris assisted on that one. He has points now in seven of his last 10 games. I think that this day of rest on Wednesday will do the Ducks well before they take on the Washington Capitals on Thursday. Now, right now in their season, they are 17-34-7 and are winless through their past six games, so looking to get back in that W column. And like I said, heading to Washington for Thursday's game, game three of this road trip, again, 4 p.m. puck drop on DuckStream. And now let's pivot and look at the entire NHL by going coast-to-coast with goal calls from Tuesday night. It was a great night of hockey that we saw all around the NHL, beginning with the Toronto Maple Leafs and Buffalo Sabres. Now, before I dive into this game, I have to note the big trade that happened where Toronto acquired Ryan O'Reilly from the St. Louis Blues as a part of a three-team trade that happened on Friday night. The third team as a part of that trade was the Minnesota Wild. So this was his third game with the Leafs on Thursday. And naturally, he nets a hat trick. So let's talk about the fact also that the first two goals that were scored from him, they came on his first two shots of the game. And then he netted his third goal late in the third period to conclude the hat trick. O'Reilly now has five points with the Leafs and 15 total goals this season. Joe Bowen now has the call of the goals. Leafs, Tavares, and across the line, in for Marner. Marner swings it in front! O'Reilly scores! Ryan O'Reilly gets his first in a Leaf uniform as Mitch Marner sets him up. Ryan O'Reilly, the Clinton, Ontario native, Gets his first in a Leaf uniform, and he's got another chance. in for a goal, never mind one. Oh, Pastor Free Riley has two. And next up, the Edmonton Oilers took on the Philadelphia Flyers. It was a 4-2 to win for Edmonton, who sits in a wild-card spot in the West right now with 70 points. But the storyline from this game, of course, the dynamic duo that we always see with the Oilers, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Pretty notable accomplishments in this game. Connor McDavid grabbed his 800th NHL career point as a part of an assist on Leon Draisaitl's power play goal in the third period. And also to note, this was Draisaitl's 700th career NHL point. So, they both happened on the same play. That's pretty cool if you're Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. One last note about this is McDavid became the fifth fastest player in NHL history to reach 800 points. And now you can hear the call of the goal from Ched Radio, 630 AM. Behind the flyer net, all the way across, Nugent Hopkins, to Dreisaitl scores! Last up, the Chicago Blackhawks taking on the Vegas Golden Knights, and this game was no shortage of some drama at the end of it. A wild one at the United Center in Chicago. Chicago ultimately getting the big 3-2 to two shootout win, but Tyler Johnson would be the one to tie it up with 55 seconds left in the game. He had a beautiful one-timer after a pass from Patrick Kane and after Max Domi won the draw, like I said, just 55 seconds left on the clock. This tied the game at two, pushed it to overtime. But before that overtime was played, just as the game was winding down, Patrick Kane had a goal that did not count. But man, you need to look up the play because it was an absolute rocket of a shot. The UC was going crazy. I thought it counted at first. When you watch that, you just had to watch it back to see that it did go in the net after time had expired. John Wideman shares the call, though, of Johnson's goal. the puck, Hawks get it. Kane to Tyler Johnson to the slot. She just scores! Power play goal. The Hawks have tied it at two with 54 seconds left in regulation. A clean faceoff win by Domi to Kane at the top of the right circle. Without hesitation, he found Tyler Johnson backing up into the slot, and he one-time it pass. Bro Bruce... Some news, though, from the Chicago Blackhawks was announced on Sunday their captain Jonathan Taves will be taking a step back from playing due to symptoms of long COVID-19 and chronic immune response syndrome. He missed all of the 2020-21 season with chronic immune response response syndrome as well this is certainly very concerning for him and i just hope the best for him i know his name has been talked about a lot this season as to what his future might look like in addition to what patrick kane's future may look like but in the meantime great to see tave taking some time for his health and making that his priority now to talk about the team in South Florida, Steve Goldstein joins Light the Lamp now. Steve shares his perspective of the game on Monday, as well as the fight that the Panthers have ahead of them as they get towards the postseason. Quite a different story from last year. Take a listen. Welcome in now, Steve Goldstein, voice of the Florida Panthers on Bally Sports Florida. Steve, thank you for joining us on Light the Lamp. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing very well. And I'm, uh, I'm happy to be on light the lamp with you. It's been a long time coming. So thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> well, I know that you had a little bit of a busy day today in particular. So I appreciate you taking the time. Um, can you tell anyone that's listening what you're doing uh, on the pitch, playing some soccer?
1: Well, yeah, I got a lot of tweets because, you know, my handle is Goldie on ice and they should said it should be Goldie on the pitch. So uh Miami of the MLS at the big media day today here in Miami, and I do some work for the local CBS affiliate in South Florida. So I covered media day and then there was a media game. So I played in the game. Um, safe to say I'm a little sore. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, you know, I haven't played a soccer game in a while. DeAndre Yedlin, who's on Inter Miami, played as everybody may know for the U S in the world cup last year, his second world cup, he was the coach. So mm-hmm. that was pretty fun. Um, and I think the highlight of the day was his pregame speech. Everybody sat on the floor and meditated for oh. about 90 seconds. Yes. That was And he said, that's what he does pregame. So for everybody out there, just, just meditate, chill out. <laughs>
0: Did it help you with the game?
1: I wish I could tell you it helped me a lot, <laughs> but you know. you know, I competed, <laughs> In the old hockey sense, you know, I try to keep my shift short. I gave it 110%. Uh, I try to stay on the right side of the ball. You know, all the cliches <laughs> did apply, but my team did win three to one. So. Oh, that's That's
0: great. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Well, obviously you're staying busy. I mean, you cover a lot of different sports down in Florida as well, too. So I'm curious on how everything's been going for you with this season and in particular with the Panthers.
1: Well, everything's great. You know, South Florida is a great place. Um, You know, it's become a terrific sports market over the last 20 years or so. You know, once the Marlins and Panthers and Heat, you know, came into existence and then got a lot of traction. And it's a huge college area, too, Um, you know, for all sports. College football is huge. And it's great that with the Panthers success the last two or three years, you know, hockey is really growing. I mean, it was big in the late 90s. Um, when the Panthers got started and had a lot of success, made it to the Stanley cup final and people got to throw rubber rats on the ice. That was a big, exciting thing. Um, <laughs> but there were some lean years there and really since Vinny Viola bought the team a decade ago, you know, they've had multiple playoff appearances in the last few years, you know, as everybody knows, they've been one of the top teams. Now they've taken a little bit of a step back this year mm-hmm. and that's not shocking from the team standpoint for a number of reasons. But they're one of, you know, half a dozen teams trying to battle they were their way in for one or two playoff spots in the East. They got a big mountain to climb, but, you know, they're alive. And because they played so many road games, they have a, home, a lot of home games left. So um, not impossible, but mm-hmm. difficult, but it is doable.
0: Before we talk a little bit about the game that we saw on Monday, for anyone that's listening and doesn't know about the rubber rat tradition, where did that begin? Can you share the beginning story for that?
1: It is a great story. (laughs) Um, Back in the Miami arena, before the Panthers in the late 90s built the arena that they play in now. And the Heat built the arena down on the beautiful water of Biscayne Bay in Miami that they played for that they now play in, built in the late 90s. When both teams started, they built the Miami Arena right off I-95 down in Overtown in Miami. So um there were rodents in the building. I mean, that's a true story. Mm-hmm. So there was one game, and uh Scott Millenby had scored two goals. The Panthers got him in the expansion draft, and a rat came running across the locker room. <laughs> John Van Beesbrook, who was in goal that night, was doing media. Mellenby just wound up with his stick and one time the rat into the wall. (laughs) And John Van Beesbrook said, well, I guess Scott Mellenby's got the rat trick. Two goals and he killed the rat. (laughs) And the team got really good. And somehow someone had the idea of. Bringing some rubber rats, and that's how it started, mm-hmm. you know, after you know they scored a goal, people started throwing rats. And then when they went to the, the playoffs in '96, I mean, you know, that ice was littered mm-hmm. with rats. I remember Tom Barrasso was the goalie for the Penguins. He backed into the net to not get hit with the rats. <laughs> and they lost the first two games of the cup final in Colorado. The Panthers came home for game three. And Patrick Waugh gave up a goal in the first period and was so unhappy, miserable, angry, beside himself at these rats that he said after that, and I guess he might've said it to teammates. I hate this. I'm not giving up another goal. And he didn't. They won game three. And then the famous game four, Uwe Krupp scored the goal in triple overtime. It was scoreless. Mm-hmm. And that's how Colorado won game four. And the rats never came out again because Patrick Watt didn't like it. He shut them down. <laughs>
0: Wow. That's an awesome story. And it's really cool too. I feel like with hockey, all the traditions that are around the league, I mean, that being one of them, it's just so interesting to hear all of the different perspectives of where these teams began and the stories behind them
1: and the fans here still throw them at the end of the game. Oh. So, if you a Panther game, oh yeah, there's always 15, 20, 30 rats and you know when they made the playoffs the last few years there were more rats. So, people still keep the tradition going. Obviously, they can't throw them on the ice after goals cuz the league, mm-hmm. you know, shut that down mm-hmm. said you get a penalty, but uh, at the end of home wins and even on the road every once in a while like I'll look out on the ice, you know as the game is ending and we're calling the end of the game, and I'll see like one rat out on the ice. that some. <laughs> it's pretty funny.
0: Well, there might have been some rats on the ice on Monday night after they won in overtime. So I'm wondering what some of your takeaways were from the Panthers' side from that game against the Ducks on Monday night.
1: Well, first off, you know John Gibson was terrific. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know he hasn't had a good year, and of late it's been a major struggle, giving up a ton of goals. But you know. He was real calm, um, Mm -hmm. made the first save just about every time. I mean, even the goals that beat him. I mean, you know, it's an Eric Stahl deflection winning off a Benoit skate. Um, You know, Lombard gets a deflection uh, to tie the game in three and then a breakaway in overtime. So, you know, 55 shots on goal ties for the second most the Panthers have ever had Mm -hmm. in a game in franchise history. So, you know, there was a little bit of one and done. Um, the Panther stars, I thought their depth players were better than the stars. I mean, case in point, the Stahl brothers score and, Lom, and Ryan Lomberg scores. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, from the Panther perspective, they had to have the win. I mean, they're almost all must wins. They they can only lose like five or six games out of their last 22. Um, so they found a way, you know, down twice, you know, they were one of only two teams in the league after being the best comeback team last year in NHL history. I think the Panthers in Minnesota Before a couple days ago were the only teams in the league that had yet to come back from a multi-goal deficit to win a game. So they got that done. And then they came back obviously in the third period and, you know, just found a way. And of late, they play three forwards in overtime. You know, they go to their first line and their second line. That's the way they play overtime. So Mm -hmm. the second line ended up, uh, you know, getting Verhage free and winning the game. So, you know, it was, it was not a good start. Um, you know, down to nothing and really didn't have a lot of energy. But I thought once the second period started, they took the game over and probably would have won by more if it wasn't for, uh, you know, for Gibson doing what he did.
0: And speaking of goaltenders, right now you have the tandem of Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight. Uh, you know, th- there's been some struggles on that end for you guys this year, but what have you thought about them overall?
1: Well, I think, you know, Alexis, what you said, it's, it's been a struggle. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you call it what it is now Mm -hmm. since, you know, early December, Bobrovsky has been much better and, you know, had a bad game here and there, but really since the all-star break, he's been solid. Um, I thought he was only okay in the game against the ducks. I mean, kind of out of position on the first two goals and I know Kulikov got a good look, but. You know, Dimitri is a former Panther and not known as a goal scorer. So, you know, but Bobrovsky kept the game close. You know, the Ducks didn't have a number of, you know, a lot of high-end high, high end scoring chances in that game. Um, and Spencer Knight has struggled. You know, he got off to a good start, but he got hurt. He got sick. And of late, the few times he's played, he has not played well. So to me, when people say, hey, how do you go from 122 points in the President's Trophy mm-hmm. to battling for a playoff spot? There's a lot of factors, okay? But to me, the number one and the same way the teams you know, that win, the number one is goaltending. They have not gotten the goaltending this season that they got a year ago. And, and remember this, when both guys were out in January, the season was teetering. They had some brutal you know, road trips where they were playing seven out of eight on the road. And, and Alex Lyon came up and he went three, two and one really to save their season. Like if he didn't play right. well, they might have been done. So look, there's seven weeks left. Um, there's still a quarter of the season, Bobrovsky has gotten better. He's definitely going to get the majority of the time and they're going to need, you know, if he plays, let's say, you know, 18 out of 22, they're going to need 15 well above average games from him. He could do it. We know he's got the pedigree, but overall the goaltending, um, to me has really been of all the issues, probably the number one issue this year. If they were getting above average goaltending, the Panthers Mm -hmm. would be in a playoff spot by five or six points. I believe that.
0: One of the special things I did see on Twitter, though, was Spencer Knight's new goalie mask. It has artwork drawn by patients at a local children's hospital where he had spent the day drawing with them. I just thought that was so special and what a beautiful way to make a tribute to the community in South
1: Florida. Well, I think you said it really (laughs) well. And, you know, Spencer's 21 years old. He's Mm -hmm. a special guy. I mean, Spencer Knight is a salt of the earth class person. Um, in so many different ways, like when, you know, the tragedy happened with Teddy Balkin, who's, you know, the, 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 the kid that pe- tragically passed away. He put Teddy on his mask last year, you know, because mm-hmm. Spencer's from Connecticut. Teddy's from Connecticut. Um, Spencer Knight just has an awareness. You know, he's not one of these young guys that just, you know, lives in his own world. And, hey, I'm a pro athlete and I'm making money. He is he's the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, a down to earth salt of the earth person. And for him to, you know, go and do that. And Joe DiMaggio's children's hospital in South Florida is one of the biggest where, you know, kids with, you know, with cancer and families have to come here and live and um, you know, just very sad, you know, in any way to help that out. And, and the Panthers have always been very active with Joe DiMaggio's children's hospital in South Florida, but for Spencer Knight, as you said, to go take that upon himself and, you know, I don't despair anything any athlete does to raise any awareness I think is great. Right. But Spencer actually went there and took the time, as you said, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's sitting with the kids and did not want attention for it. You know, the only reason it's really come out now is because he has it on his mask and people see it. (laughs) So it's, um, you know, it's a special thing. Um, you know, young people, which he is a young person, either has that in their heart or doesn't. And Spencer Knight has that. I mean, the guy's, the guy's a great guy.
0: How was the fan response in seeing Frank Petrano back?
1: Yeah, you know the fans love Frank. You know, Frankie, Frankie came in to the Panthers. They trade him for a draft pick from Boston, and you know when Joel Quenville was here as coach, you know he found a way to spot Frank Petrano in, and you know that's why Quenville's you know second winningest coach of all time, and because mm-hmm. um, he's done this with a lot of players over his twenty-five year career. And find a way to put him in positions where he could be successful. So he was able to use that speed. He scored a ton of big goals for the Panthers. Like he'd get 20 a year and like four or five of them would be game winners in the third period and overtime. He scored a lot of overtime goals. Um, So I think, you know, it's been a while because remember, they traded him to the Rangers a year ago. And then he winds up, you know, in Anaheim. And now a year later, he comes back. But yeah, Frankie was, um, you know, the team got good at the time he got here. And he's a fun player to watch, as you know. You know, he's mm-hmm. all north-south. He's all speed. He's got that, you know, kind of Boston cockiness that you kind of <laughs> like out of a player, you know? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, you, know, you enjoy that. So um, I think people are real happy to see him back. And, and he was real happy to be back. You saw the reaction by him on the bench. He, mm-hmm. uh, I think he really appreciated the um, the tribute. And, by the way, another guy. And, and, you know, you saw in that video tribute, if they showed it on television there, um you know, on Bally sports and, you know, watching the game in Southern California, you know, a lot of the video wasn't of him playing. It was of him hosting kids in the locker room after games. Um, Frank Vetrano did a lot of that too in South Florida. So, mm. uh, you know, I think, look, if they could have worked it out salary cap wise, he might've been the guy they would have liked, liked to keep, mm. but that's been part of the problem this year. There was no cap money and they had to let a lot of other guys go and they've actually played a number of games shorthanded this year. And that's been part of the issue.
0: Well, with the trade deadline approaching, are there any areas that the Panthers are looking to address that you may know of?
1: Well, that's the magic question, (laughs) Alex. Isn't it for everyone? (laughs) Yeah, But they're really in a tough spot because they're right on the borderline. Mm -hmm. They've only got two games left. You know, they played so many games this year. I think the second most games in the league. So they only have two, two games over the next nine days, only two games left until the deadline. Um, you know, if you beat Buffalo and Tampa, do you feel a little bit differently? Um, they don't have any money, though. That's the problem, because Anthony Duclair is going to come back. Right. And they don't even have m- enough money to bring Hornquist back if he gets healthy and Duclair. Like, mm-hmm. this has been an ongoing situation all season long, which is why a few games they had to actually play shorthanded. So if Duclair comes back, which he's supposed to, unless something happens in practice today, tomorrow— um, they don't really have any money to make any moves unless they want to trade somebody in a hockey trade. That's making money and bring someone back. And that's difficult to do. So, you know, my gut feeling is unless there's a big injury over the next nine days and you free up some money, they basically ride with what they have. And, and they look at Anthony Duclair, mm. you know, a 30 goal guy that can fly as their deadline pickup when he gets back in the lineup. Mm.
0: Well, one other big name that we have to talk about, Matthew Kachuk, how much of a difference he's made for the team this season, fourth in the NHL right now in points. I mean, has it been everything that you expected when he joined the team in the off season?
1: But to be honest with you, it's much, much more. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm stunned. I I really am, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, We did an Inside the Panther show on Valley Sports Florida. So I hosted it. So I actually went to his house. Okay, went with him in his car. And then the episode is out. People could probably find it online. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Driven to Greatness with the little driven thing because I was in his car and we drove <laughs> to practice. Yeah. So, you know, the GoPros in the car, the microphones on. I've gotten to know him a little bit. Mm-hmm. So literally it's like if you and your friend were just driving, you know, going to practice to cover practice. Right. And that's what it felt like talking to him. This guy is such a good team guy. He's phenomenal on the ice. I had no idea his hands were as good as they are. The guy's got 50 assists in this season. Um, You know, in like 57 games played. He's, as you said, fourth in the league in scoring. He's going to be the sixth Panther ever to get 80 points in a season, which I know isn't a great bar, but still. Um, He's been everything and more. And I'll tell you this. The biggest, again, you know, you talked about Spencer Knight and off the ice. Mm Mm-hmm. For me, this doesn't only go for hockey and, you know, and and work and what I do. This is in general, right? You know, and I'm sure a lot of people like this. You might be like this as well. You know, part of the way you judge people is how they treat people that really have no bearing on their life. You know what I mean? People that can't do anything for them. And Matthew Kachuk, from me as a broadcaster to the equipment guys who, as you know, grind it out. They're the unsung heroes. They do a ton for these players to the training staff to the um, flight attendants when we fly, he treats everybody first class, first rate. Hmm. And I know his dad, Keith did that in Winnipeg and other places. And I guess it's just passed down in the genes. So <laughs> this guy both on and off the ice, Alexis, what you asked, has he been everything? He's been everything and a lot more. I mean, I knew he was really good. I knew he had 40 goals, hundred points. It was his first year doing that. To me, it looks like this is what he is now. They've got him locked up for eight years. I think he's a 4,100 guy like every year. And the other thing is, when you look at him in that top four in scoring, he's also got a much higher plus-minus than McDavid, Drysdale, and Kucherov, the three guys ahead of him. So he's been uh, he's phenomenal. And for what we do, you know, as broadcasters, right. you, it was what he, he, he's a heck of a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a good time.
0: And he certainly was a great staple for South Florida at the All Star game as
1: well this year too. Well, he loves it here. You know, he's become integrated immediately. Um, He loves living here. He loves everything about it. You know, he's down over there east in Fort Lauderdale. And it's a great spot for him. They're going to build the practice rink is in process of being there. So once they build that, they'll probably only go out west to the arena just to play the games. Um, You know, it's a place he wanted to come to. I mean, he had a handful of teams he would have gone to, but this was a place he wanted to come to. And, And he's the type of guy that the team needed. Like they needed a guy, you know, they, the Panthers have had a lot of talented players, but, and you know, this until you get the guy that's got that kind of bite to his, you know, he's Ryan gets I mean, that's what he is. You know what I mean? He's got that bite. He's got that grittiness. He's got that love of the game. He can pull everybody with him. You know, when the game is a battle and when the games get grinding and tougher and in the playoffs, you know, guys like him get even better. So that would be my comparison to uh, to a guy like Getsey who is obviously, you know, an <laughs> amazing guy for the Ducks.
0: <laughs> yes, very beloved here in Anaheim. Uh, Steve Goldstein, thank you so much for joining us on Light
1: the Lamp. I appreciate you having me. Good to talk to you, Alexis. Thanks.
0: And it's time for my final quack for this episode where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. Check out some of our latest Duck Stream content as we have plenty of new shows for you guys. The Players Lounge, From Mighty Till Now episodes, and plenty more. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. And one more thing to note, the trade deadline is just over a week away. We're certainly getting close to that date. Make sure to come back again for more Hockey Talk right here on DuckStream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on DuckStream.